there's a far more important side of self-care than just taking a bath or reading a book or sitting in the sun. It involves taking actions to improve yourself, ideally so you won't need to do the first sort of self-care in the first place. In this episode, I'm going to break it down and discuss what real self-care actually means. And by the end of it, hopefully I will give you the tools to be able to start making those improvements in your life. It certainly is possible. I'll also be sharing with you chapter 5.5 of my book, How to Get Your Shit Together. This one will highlight to you just how much time you're wasting staring at screens. It's called Limit Screen Time and Social Media. It's not about eliminating it completely, but just making sure you know how much you're using and what that time is costing you. I think you're going to get a lot from this episode. Enjoy. Self-care actually has two components. Most people are familiar with the first, you know, the taking a bath, having your chocolate cake, reading a book, sitting in the sun, petting a dog, all of that sort of stuff. And I'm not against those things, but I think there's a far, far, far more important version of self-care that a lot of people neglect or completely ignore. It's the ongoing, long-term, daily work that makes you a better person, that improves yourself, that makes it so you don't need to do that in-the-moment emergency self-care. I'm talking about things like daily meditation and exercise and diet. I'm talking about seeing a therapist and following their advice. I'm talking about reading the self-help books. Now, obviously what you need will be dependent on your issues and your problems in your life. However, there are certain things, like those things that I just mentioned, that would benefit everyone. You do have time. You do have time to start these things. You could start with literally one minute per day. Now, to give you an example of why you can, you've listened to this podcast for more than one minute already. You have the time, but you just feel like it's not worth it. But it's important to remember that it's infinitely better to do something rather than doing nothing. I want you to try this. Try just... Get down on your hands and do one minute of push-ups, just as many push-ups as you can in one minute. It will be challenging and afterwards you'll feel a massive burn. But imagine if you did that every day. Imagine how strong you would get. Now, I don't care who you are. I don't care what kids you've got, what issues are in your life. You can't tell me that you don't have at least one minute in your day spare. So, with that logic in mind, start Chipping away, start with one minute a day, one minute of exercise, just the push-ups, one minute of meditation, one minute of journaling. That's three minutes. I guarantee you if you spend that three minutes of time throughout the day, just fit it in there, over the long term, you will improve. And the thing is, is yes, of course, spending more time doing any of those activities is ideal, but you will start to notice the benefits. And when you notice the benefits, you'll want to improve. You'll want to see, you'll want to dedicate more time. Case in point, I started with one minute literally every day of meditation. And now I'm pushing 45 minutes. Why? Every day I just notice the benefit. It just helps me. It's it's locked in there. It's something I look forward to. Now, yeah, some days are very busy. And on those days, the meditation practice might be broken up. But I always squeeze 
something in. Because I know if I don't, I know if I neglect that form of self-care, that day may be a bit more challenging to get through. If I neglect it for too many days in a row, my mental health very much deteriorates. So for me personally, I always try and fit meditation in as my first priority. Now, I've talked to you about it before, um, but I'll put a link down below to my Skillshare courses on meditation. Sign up. You get to sign up for free for two months, and you can check out all my Skillshare courses, and then if you're not a fan of Skillshare, you can delete it. I'm a massive fan of Skillshare because you get access to all my courses and everyone's courses, so check it out. I'll teach you how to meditate and also give you access to the chapters of my book on meditation, so I'm not going to go into how to do it here, but I've done some podcasts on it before. So meditation is a absolute must for me. Next thing I do is a session of just maybe five minutes of language learning. I use an app called uh, Memrise to learn some Russian so I can teach my son Russian along with my partner. And then I go into exercise. Now, the Russian is definitely cuttable. If I don't have time for everything, meditation is priority. The third thing I do is exercise. Obviously, I cut the Russian if I don't have time. And I will do anywhere from, like I said, one minute of push-ups to another 45 minutes of exercise in the morning. Following that, I will do a post on social media, either a one-minute video or just sharing a picture or an image or a, or a, you know, a meme or something. Why? Because I want to try and actively engage with everyone online daily. That's just some of my goals. But once again, that's not necessary for my mental health. But the reason I'm sort of squeezing these things in, the reason I'm sort of blocking them in like that is because for me that's the form of self-care that I want to initiate. The meditation and the exercises go in. I started with one minute each day and then I upped it. So start thinking about what daily self-care you can do. Obviously I'm going to lean down those paths but what daily self-care can you do? If you do those sort of daily self-cares. If you initiate them, if you put them into your life, you will see results. I want to highlight the fact that there is that lag. After one exercise session, you wouldn't expect to be massive. You wouldn't expect to be super fit. But after three months of exercise, you will start to notice a difference. The same is true for diet, for meditation, for therapy, for all of the different self-cares. So don't be disheartened if you do one session and you don't quote-unquote feel it. You won't. Well, you may, but you probably won't. So have a little bit of faith in the method. Trust that if you do certain things, you will get certain results. So with that in mind, dedicate to me right now one minute. Do one minute of push-ups. Do one minute of meditation. Do one minute of journaling. Let me know how you go with that. Contact me and just say, hey, I did this for one minute. I'll keep you honest. I'll be like, hey, you know, keep it going. Let me know when you do the next minute. If you start doing those minutes daily, you won't have to do so much in-the-moment self-care. Like I said, I'm not against that. I'm 100% believe it. If you need to take a day off work because you're not feeling it, I get it. Take the sick days. If you need to, you know, read that book in the bath. If you need to, you know, splurge on something, I fine. But wouldn't it be ideal to not have to? So contact me. Let me know. I can be found on social media at Zach P. Phillips or via my website, Zachary-Phillips.com. And just on a side note, I've got maybe... I think there's about a thousand of you listening to this podcast every week. I checked the RSS numbers from across iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify, and all of the other places that this podcast's up, and it's just clocked over 1,000. I think last week I had 1,045 listens. 
So yay for everyone, get on board. Um, but when I compare that to how many reviews and ratings and how much comments I'm getting, there's like only maybe 0.1% of you. So please, 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 there are thousands of you listening. Can I get you to chuck a review up? Can I get you to share this podcast with people? Because it really will make a massive difference on my end. Let me know that you're there, that you're listening, that you're appreciating it, and it will help spread the word. So please, wherever you're listening to this, chuck us a review and let me know how you're doing. So on to part two of the podcast. As you know, I'm going to release everything that I do for free over time. And today I've got chapter 5.5, Limit Screen Time and Social Media Time, from my book, How to Get Your Shit Together. This chapter will highlight with clarity, just how much time you're spending staring at a screen. And when you do the maths, it's very simple maths, I'll take you through it in this chapter, you will work out just how much time you're wasting throughout your lifetime if you added it all together. The the 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes here or there don't seem like much, but when you put it all together, my God, does it add up, and it's actually quite disgusting. So take a listen and I guarantee you, you'll be able to get some of that time back just because you'll be aware of how much time you're wasting. And why not put that time into meditation, into exercise, into reading, into self-improvement in some capacity. So take a listen. And at the end of the podcast, I'll let you know where you can grab a copy if you'd like to support yourself and support the podcast. But like I always say, I'm going to release everything I do for free. So just stay tuned and follow along. I'll also put a link to the chapter down below in the show notes so you can read it as a blog post if you choose to do so. Chapter 5.5, Limit Screen Time and Social Media. By conducting a media fast, turning off the television, radio, and computer, we stop the influx of poison, keeps us buying and desiring more. Sky Jethani. I haven't watched television listened to the radio, or read a newspaper for over eight years. The decision to cut this from my life was one of the best things that I've ever done for my mental health, as well as my productivity. How much time are you wasting? It may not seem like much at the time, but that one-hour television episode per night will end up costing you 3.3 years of your life. That's 3.3 years continuous, not including eating, sleeping, toileting, schooling, working, or socialising. Just the total time spent watching that show. The proof. First you take the number of hours spent on an activity, in this case one, and divide it by 24, the total number of hours in a day. You then take that number and multiply it by the average life expectancy, approximately 80 years. The result equals the number of years that you will spend on a particular activity, in this case 3.3. The average American spends between 4 to 5 hours per day watching television or similar visual media. If you combine that time together and place it back to back, it means that they'll have sat in front of the television for approximately 15 years of their lives. That's 4.5 divided by 24 times by 80. I can think of many more useful things to do with my time. 15 years continuous. People often complain about not having any time to exercise, read, meditate, cook, clean, learn, write, socialize, or practice. I think that they do have the time. They just don't prioritize it. If the average American halved their television time, 
they would get 7.5 more years of life. Imagine what you could do with 7.5 more years added to your life. To be clear, this isn't just 7.5 years in which you have to eat, sleep, toilet, or work. This is 7.5 years of complete focus. Whenever I share this concept with people, they're initially shocked that they are spending so much time of their lives watching television. It's all too easy to think that an hour a day doesn't really matter. Perhaps it doesn't matter on any one day, but when they're all added up, it really does. This equation of course presumes that we will continue to act the same way as we do now for the rest of our lives, which of course is not true. However, unless we take steps to drastically change our behaviours, they will become ingrained habits that will likely carry on for some time. The television show may change, the particular sport or video game may be replaced, but the behaviour in question will be basically the same. Remember to change habits slowly when you begin the process of cutting down television time. It will be easy to cut it out for a day, but you'll be in this for the long haul. Take action. Determine how much time you spend on average each day on the following activities. Television, internet, social media, online, mobile gaming, and news reports. Then, determine how many years that amount of usage would take up if it was to occur simultaneously using the process described above. That's hours per day divided by 24 times by 80. Once you have that figure, dedicate a third of the time each day to some form of self-improvement. This could be any activity, including reading, writing, meditation, exercise, sport, learning a craft, practicing an instrument, exploring nature, self-care, or socializing. So if you spend three hours in front of the television, Initially, dedicate one hour per day to self-improvement. Over time, continue to cut down on screen time at a comfortable pace. Do you really benefit from watching the news? In order to gain and maintain viewership, news outlets must constantly report on what's happening around the world in the most engaging manner possible. They aim to make it seem like every report is vitally important to the viewer. They do this by sensationalizing what is occurring. Every scandal is the worst scandal ever. Every political rumor spells the start of World War III. Every viral outbreak in a small village you have never heard of could be the start of a zombie apocalypse. The oceans are heating up. The forests are all but gone. Crime and terrorism is rising. Everything causes cancer, and every politician is a corrupt liar. But at least they are better than the politicians from the countries that we are less than friendly with. Because we live in a 24-hour news cycle, there is no end to the available stories that news outlets can draw from. It is a sad truth, but there is always something terrible happening somewhere. All the news outlets do is find out what's happening and tell you about it, making sure to let you know just how bad this most recent occurrence will impact you. So why don't I watch the news? Nothing on the news ever impacts me directly, and I would guess that it would be the same for you. Consider the thousands of hours you've spent consuming news reports. How many times has that information come in handy? How many times has it prevented you from coming into harm, helped you to take action to better yourself, or helped you in any way whatsoever? I can't name a single instance. If there is ever anything important happening, something that could impact my life, I'm directly told about it by friends and family. 
so regardless of whether or not it makes it to the news, I already know about it. Furthermore, almost everything presented on the news is on such a large scale that I have no ability to influence it. What can my knowledge of war, financial crisis, globalization, pollution, or any number of other woes do to actually change the situation? Likely, nothing. The only thing that that knowledge will impact will be my mental state. Please don't confuse my position with a lack of care. I do. Perhaps even too much. I have a tendency to strongly empathise with the torments of those whose stories I come across, and ruminate over the many existential threats posed to our species and planet. However, the pain that I feel does nothing to solve any of those problems. If another war breaks out, another natural disaster occurs, or more information about the destruction of natural habitats is released, I can't do anything about it. As an individual, I'm hopelessly insignificant on a grand scale. Knowing about these issues may make us feel important, but mere knowledge won't change anything. It is our actions that count. There are simply so many problems occurring all at once that it's too overwhelming, too depressing, and quite frankly pointless to hold them all inside us all at one time. Therefore, I switch off from most of the issues of the world, leaving myself freer to focus on the humanitarian aspects that I'm most passionate about and have the most ability to directly impact with my work. My personal focus is found within the content of this book, namely to help people overcome traumatic pasts, find their true selves, reduce the impact of mental illnesses, and subsequently to help break the cycle of abuse and trauma for the next generation. Is my focus less noble than working towards peace, reducing climate change, or bringing in needed social changes? Perhaps, but I can always donate to the people and the charities that are better suited to addressing those issues. This is not an ideal approach but it is the one that I've best found guards my mental state, while still enabling me to be making a positive change on the world. I still keep up to date with the general happenings of the world, albeit in a much less frequent manner. I talk to informed friends and occasionally browse topical subreddits. Given the 24-hour news cycle, there is often a race among news outlets to post the information as quickly as possible. Unfortunately, this leads to a lot of speculation and repetition. It's far more efficient to wait until the dust settles and a fuller story emerges. Take action. For the next month, don't consume any news media. Don't watch the news, read the paper, or listen to the radio. Turn off the political podcasts and ignore the current affair YouTube channels. Let a couple of close friends know that you're taking a break from the news cycle so that they can inform you of any major occurrence that occurs. During the month, if you find yourself with a bunch of spare time, use that to read fiction, watch a movie, or learn something new. At the end of the month, consider the following questions. Did the world end without you knowing it? Are you more or less stressed this month compared to last month? Did anything of real importance in your life occur that your friends didn't inform you of? What did you do with the extra time and mental space this month? Does consuming the news benefit you in any positive way? The problem with social media is that it's great for your ego, but terrible for your sanity. Adrena Sayer How social media changes you In order to understand the double-edged sword that is social media, it's important to know a little about how the content of your social feed is chosen. 
The first thing to realize is that you are not shown everything that your friends or the pages you follow post. In the past, you were shown everything. If someone posted it, you were shown it in the chronological order that it was posted. Over time, the social platforms realized that their users were becoming increasingly inundated with far too many posts, most of which were not interesting. In order to solve this problem, they created algorithms that are designed to filter each person's feed so that they only see things that personally interest them. This is the reason that you'll see all the posts from some people and rarely the posts of others. The algorithms track what you engage with, show you more of the same, and occasionally throw you a random post to check if your interests have changed. By this method, your social feed becomes less cluttered and significantly more engaging. This engagement results in more time on the site, which the social platform can then profit off through targeted advertisements. The end result is a completely catered social media experience that is optimized to be as engaging, read addictive, as possible. Beyond the issues of time wasting described above, there are much darker consequences to the catered nature of social media. The simple fact is that you are likely to engage with the content that you already agree with. The social platform will inevitably show you more of the same content. If you extrapolate the impact of this over time, you will soon see how detrimental this process could be to maintaining a free mind. If you are only ever exposed to the same kind of content, how can you form in-depth opinions? The same kinds of content come to the same kinds of conclusions, reaffirming the same kinds of beliefs. This is a form of social media guided self-indoctrination into an extreme version of what you already believe. If you are of a particular political standpoint, religion, moral belief, or hold an opinion on any topic, you will only be shown content that reaffirms your viewpoint. You will start to see the entire world through the lens of your particular issue. The algorithm will show you posts from your friends and family that are about the topic that you care about, and hide those that are about other topics. You will feel like the entire world is thinking as you do, because in your feed, they are. The real world is far more complex, and it is folly to consider the nature of reality through one lens. But unfortunately, social media is designed to make us do just that. If you spend too much time on social media, and don't objectively look for outside opinions to challenge your current belief system, you could be fooled into thinking that all of the world's problems are caused by your issue. Despite what your social feed would suggest, Race, religion, feminism, veganism, politics, gender, globalization, conspiracy, and class structure all impact the world, but no single one is at the center. The problem with an echo chamber is that you are never really exposed to new information, so unless you leave it, you will never grow. This applies to both large-scale issues of humanity, as well as your own personal interests and hobbies. If you are never exposed to new things, you may never discover your greatest passion. Advertisements work. Advertisements work, and they work on you. But of course, nobody likes to admit that they are susceptible to influence. If we took people at their word, the advertisement industry would go bust. Apparently, nobody can be convinced of anything. Yet each year, companies spend millions of dollars to convince you to purchase their goods or to sway your opinions. If advertisements didn't work, companies wouldn't be spending so much of their money on them. While it is true that a particular individual advertisement may not work, advertisements as a whole do.
take a quick look around your house and you'll be hard pressed to see many things that were not directly a result of advertisements. Yes, you could have chosen competing brands, but you didn't. There's a reason you chose the brands you did, the advertisements. This matters because the advertisements are changing you and not necessarily in ways you would want or could even be aware of. They create and play on our fears. They then offer a solution to those fears in the form of their product. They tell a story of a better life, a happier life, a safer life. One of increasing abundance, decadence and pleasure. A life that begins with their product. Each ad you consume adds a grain of sand to the concept of purchasing their product. While each grain itself may not have much impact, collectively they add up. Since I stopped watching television, my consumption of advertisements has significantly reduced. This has resulted in a clearer mind and less externally driven desires. I'm no longer being tempted by a different life or the trappings of material possessions. Because I desire less, I spend less. This enables me to have far more time and money to spend on things that I actually value, enabling me to live by my values far more. Most important has been the improvements in my sense of self. With less external influence, I'm better able to know myself. I'm now far more certain of what I want from life, and I can subsequently make better purchasing decisions. Decisions that are more in line with what I want, not what a corporation wants me to want. Social media takes traditional advertisements and supercharges them. Marketers can now choose who they want to target based on specific demographics. The age, gender, location, ethnicity, income levels. Their interests, their prior purchasing habits, and their internet search history. With this information, specific advertisements can be shown to you, right when it's most likely that you'll be influenced by them. The advertisements that you see on your social media feed are completely unique to you. Companies do their best to make their content appear native to the social media site that you are on. They want you to consume the advert and not keep scrolling. So rather than the traditional approach of buy now half price, they will instead post pictures of attractive people wearing their products or of amateur looking video footage that just so happens to have their product in it. They don't want to jar you, rather to engage you. To do this, they first find out who to specifically target and then run multiple different versions of the same advert, track the engagement results to see which one works, and then continue to use the one that produces the best result. While not as direct as traditional advertisements, this new form of advertisement is just as effective at nudging your behaviour in a particular way. If you use social media, there is not much that can be done to avoid this from happening other than by reducing your time spent on the website. You could also try using a VPN, regularly deleting your internet cookies, and put as little information on social media as possible. You'll still receive advertisements, but they won't be as targeted and thus easier for you to spot. Take action. For the next month, limit yourself to only checking social media twice daily and only to respond to any notification that you receive. This is a good way to reduce your social media usage while still receiving the social benefits of the platform. You'll still be able to receive messages from any social events, and will still be able to communicate and share things with friends. The only difference is now that you'll be exposed to the things that your friends actually wanted you to see enough to tag you. At the end of the month, 
consider the following questions. Did the world end without me knowing it? Am I more or less stressed this month compared to last month? Did anything of real importance to my life occur that my friends didn't inform me of? What did I do with the extra time and mental space? It is important to acknowledge that sometimes the way everybody is doing something may be flawed or not entirely healthy. Perhaps future psychologists will be able to show beyond all doubt that extended television, social media and advertisement exposure is terrible for our mental states. Until then, I'm trusting my personal experiences. I can't understate how good I feel the less time I spend in front of a screen. Try it for yourself. Frequently Asked Questions I've tried to cut down my screen time, but I struggle to do so. I think that I may be addicted, particularly to social media. What can I do? You may very well be addicted. This isn't something to be ashamed of. In a way, it is to be expected. The social media platforms are designed to be as addictive as possible to keep you coming back to them. But unfortunately, we didn't realise this when we signed up. Try cutting down your usage very slowly, so slow that you barely notice the impact. So if you use it for 4 hours every day, try using it for 3 hours and 45 minutes. Slowly cut down so you don't notice the impact. If you've already done this and you're still struggling, I would really recommend you speak to a psychologist about it or to an addiction specialist. They are trained to help. How can you just turn off the news? Surely there is something valuable to be gained from consuming the information the news provides. There is value to being abreast of social affairs and of being exposed to knowledge of all kinds. For me, it is a trade-off between my mental state and constant exposure to up-to-date news reporting. As always, I guard my mental state at all costs. I'll check in and read about the current affairs, but I do so on a limited basis, one that I choose and one that I can handle. It is technically feasible to be plugged into the news cycle 24-7. However, doing so would be ludicrous. The question we all have to answer is not, how can I consume as much news as possible, but rather, how much news do I want in my life? My answer may simply be a lot lower than yours. Summary. Before watching a screen, ask yourself, will this add anything of value to my life? How will my mental state be impacted? And what else could I do with my time instead? So thanks for listening, guys. You can grab yourself a copy of the book, How to Get Your Shit Together, as an ebook, paperback, and audiobook via Amazon. And I'll put the links down below. Thanks for listening.